there. I'm Joanne McCarthy, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Each week, Two Question Tuesday answers randomly picked questions submitted by our clients. Answering this week's questions, we have with us Bill D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focus Wealth Management, and Mike Pizzani, Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Okay, Phil, our first question is from Jeff in New York. What are your thoughts on the wild swings in Bitcoin this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Bitcoin went back to the low of about 32,000 over the weekend. Uh, what do I think? Uh, I think we've gone on here quite a few times discussing it. Look, uh, we were wrong on its, you know, ascent from a uh, thousand up to ten thousand, and ten thousand to fifty thousand. Did it go higher than fifty thousand, Mike? Did it go to sixty? I don't believe it did. It got a little bit above fifty thousand, I think. Yeah. Though. And um, you know, I I still maintain uh, all along that it is pure speculation. Uh, that leads to a price of this. I mean, yes, there's an, you know a, a, a certain available quantity of these. I get that blockchain is powerful. I get that it'll be used future uh, for contracts, uh, for payments, etc. Um, but I think when you look at the world governments out there, uh, specifically the U.S. and the Chinese, uh, they're not going to let a cryptocurrency debase uh, long-term the U.S. dollar or the yuan. Uh, from being, you know, the, the global currency of choice for for many, um, I just think that this is speculative behavior driving these prices. Uh, again, Elon Musk um, putting, uh, as other CEOs, uh, putting part of his corporate treasury into Bitcoin, you know, is akin to a trading company like Goldman Sachs running a proprietary trading desk, which is a trading desk for the company that makes money for the firm. Um, and uh, instead of selling cars and, you know, building the great things and engineering the great things, the Tesla engineers. So uh, I don't like to see speculation within speculation. I think that's what we're seeing here. I think if you look at the quantity of players and the people playing in, the, in that area, um, highly unregulated still, uh, you know, uh, high barriers to entry, which means companies involved can make a lot of money and, and make a lot of profits like Coinbase, et cetera. Uh, the more those uh, stocks, you know, the more Bitcoins and, and, and the more digital currencies are traded, the more companies like Coinbase can make money off of that in large percentages uh, because it is mostly unregulated. I just think at the end of the day, uh, it is a very poor store of value. Uh, can you make money on it, buying it and selling it? You know, you can make money buying and selling uh, anything uh, if you buy low and sell high. Um, but I just don't think that it is a uh, investment uh, that's prudent for our clients. And uh, I think down the road, while you might have digital currencies, probably what you see out there today uh, won't be the winners. Kind of like, I don't know, you still using Prodigy, Mike? <laughs> Too many internet browsers. Yeah. It's almost the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Not a big fan of it. Can you make money buying and selling it? The low points, certainly. You can do that with a lot of things. Uh, as a store of value, it's not gold. You know, not that I'm a big gold bug, but long term, it's it's not gold. What I think is really interesting is the pushback that it started to get from an environmental perspective. I read a lot of articles Great the last point. couple of weeks about how you know old cold power plants are actually being fired back up again to help soak up the energy that it takes to actually manufacture Bitcoin. And I mean, from an environment. 
from an environmental perspective, that's I, I agree with blockchain. I agree with a lot of things. And I mean, look, if it's a if it's an asset that's you know trending bullishly and you can make money off it, that makes sense. But a lot of the questions that I personally received about Bitcoin over the course of the last few weeks are how high can something go? And usually when you only field questions about that, people forget about the risk management part of everything and the volatility aspect of it. And then all of a sudden, Bitcoin has had some really substantial declines throughout the course of time. Um, and I, I mean, other asset classes have too, but you don't necessarily have certain uh, regulatory backstops that you can sort of uh, filter back against when you experience extreme volatility outbreaks and something like this. So it's very speculative. And I mean, your point to Tesla, the majority of Tesla's profits last quarter came from its investment in Bitcoin. So what happens if the company doesn't make money and then its Bitcoin holdings go down in value? So yeah. And don't forget, that's corporate treasury money. That's again, it's not proprietary trading desk money that could be put at risk. This is capital that's needed for the balance sheet. I don't know how you take a risk like that. Yeah. But your point too about ESG and about environmental damage, uh, you know, not only are they using, there's 8,000 acre farms of computer data centers, as you know, that mm -hmm. mine these Bitcoins and, and mine the binary code all day long, uh, specifically in the Western regions of China. Not just are those plants coal powered that are running these huge, you know, superconductor farms, mm -hmm. but they're also run with slave labor uh, from the Uyghur uh, population, who, who are the ethnic Muslim Chinese, uh, who are who are held slaves, uh, running these Bitcoin miners. I mean, this is out of this world uh, stuff that links all the bad things in society, right? Including the pipeline that was shut down. You know, using currencies like this, which are untraceable, non-taxable, uh, to get. Um, you know, paid to reopen the pipeline as, uh, you know, as, as the Continental Pipeline was really, in essence, blackmailed. Wild stuff. At least the hackers got 40 percent less than they originally thought they were because the price of Bitcoin declined. <laughs> good, good point. OK, sorry. Joe. Okay. Next question, Mike. This is from our good friend, Chef Mike Kelly from Newark, New York. Why can't I find anyone to work at my bakery? Ah, this is really interesting right now. The dynamics of the jobs market are actually certain that in a place that we really, it's very foreign to us, basically what's happening. Um, it, there are so many job openings and we just can't fill them right now. If you look at the most recent unemployment report as of the beginning of May, it was very weak. Uh, the anticipation was over a million jobs would be added to the U.S. economy, and we only added a little above $200,000. Yet, if you look at the jobs opening and labor turnover survey, there are 8.1 million job openings right now. If you compare that back to um, like 2009 post-financial crisis at the same point of the recovery, there were only 2.5 million job openings. So the problem isn't necessarily the jobs not, aren't there. The problem is we can't fill the demand for the jobs that are actually out there. And I think one of the problems that we're experiencing is there has been so much support in terms of stimulus and unemployment benefits and trying to prop up the economy and make sure that we're in an OK place, that it's actually causing people to not look for jobs and to actually stay home. And that is has a lot of potential to change in coming weeks because um, just last week, it was announced that 21 states are going to be cutting off access to their enhanced unemployment benefits. 
So over the course of the last few months, we've seen continuing unemployment claims actually trending down, not to the point where you would anticipate that they would at this stage of the economic recovery, because if you look at earnings and a lot of other variables associated with the economic recovery, a lot of them are back to pre-cycle highs. Yet employment is still uh, in the early stages of recovering. And it's very likely that over the course of the next few months, as uh, these enhanced unemployment benefits begin to expire, you start to see more traction in the labor markets and people actually going back to work as long as the economic recovery continues to sustain itself. So I think that there's still going to be gaps in terms of skilled labor that we're looking for. But uh, the announcement that a lot of states are going to cut off their enhanced unemployment benefits is probably going to be a very significant tailwind to the labor market where you're going to start to see million, like one million uh, plus numbers added to the workforce in the coming months over the summer, I think. You know, what's interesting, I've noticed, too, if you look at, you know, just locally, um, mm -hmm. I've noticed uh, kids, you know, teenagers uh, out for the summer, home on break, starting to get jobs again, which is a trend that, you know, you did not see teenage, uh, teenage employment, rather, for quite some time uh, in the labor force's large numbers. And, you know, again, I don't know what the data looks like, but just from looking around, I started to see more teenagers enter the workforce right now. Uh, probably because of, of salaries going to a decent level where they weren't making it before. But now because everyone's out on these unemployment benefits, you know, you've increased the labor force of, uh, uh, of the teenage workforce. So that's interesting to look at as well, which ultimately, right, is probably a really good thing because you're widening the labor pool, uh, you know, even more so. Yeah, that's a big difference because in the COVID period, I remember last uh, about a year ago, you would experience significant job losses, but average hourly earnings shot up because a lot of those same people that you're talking about couldn't find jobs. So it was the yeah. people on the low end of the totem pole that got hurt. So hopefully this filters back into the a widening moat in terms of the employment markets and more people having jobs, more people making money. That's better for the economy rather than everybody on the top end continuing to make more. Okay, thank you both for answering this week's two questions. If you have a question you'd like to submit, email us at jmccarthy at focuswealthmgmt.com. Stay safe, and we will see you next week. Take care.